Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Acme is a very small community. Everybody knows each other. Have a good day. Thank you. See you. Take care. They go to the local diner to have their breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And they shop at the general store. You have that feeling of safety. Keep your doors unlocked. On November 24th, 1989, Mandy Stavick went out running with her dog. The dog had returned, but she hadn't. And when she didn't come back, I panicked. There was a massive hunt for her. Everybody was out looking. It was three days later when we found her. This is the South Fork of the Nooksack River. She was just floating lightly. The only thing I could see were her tennis shoes and socks. When I rolled her over, it was kind of a a real shock to me because she looked like my daughter. And people would say to me, oh, you're so strong. Oh yeah, right. You can't be strong through something like that. It just rips you to pieces. Oh, we were in shock. People were crying. They were, um, whoa. 
There was a killer out there somewhere. And the question is, was this person going to strike again? Yeah. So much unknown. For 25 years, we had no viable suspects in this case. You've got to keep working. Keep persistent. Keep going. Mandy's dead, but this case was not going to die. No. I absolutely did not think it would ever get solved. Amazingly enough, it was two women talking in a water park that gave us the break in this case. One of the moms brought her name up. I just kind of turned to Mary Lee and said, well, I am sure I know who killed her. And turned to her and I said, oh, I do too. Take me back. It's November 27th, 1989. Where are we right now? We're upstream from where I recovered her. It's a solemn place for you, isn't it? It is. Back then, Detective Ron Peterson led the search team for Mandy Stavick, moving upriver in his Zodiac boat. We came around the corner and we got out of the main river and into the little side channel and I could see pink, something pink. It was Mandy wearing only her running shoes. When you lifted her out of the water as a father, did you say anything to her? Mm. You're the first person to ask that. I said, I got you. Peterson and so many others in the small community of Acme, Washington, are still emotional, even 30 years later. What was lost for you in this community with the death of Mandy Stavick? A sense of innocence, I think, more than anything. Jim Freeman was Mandy's high school basketball coach and gave the eulogy at her memorial service, attended by nearly a thousand people. You see her smiling back at you, right at your soul with eyes that say, I love life. He had mentored her off the court as well, becoming a father figure after Mandy's parents divorced. Mandy expressed her admiration for him in this card. For Mr. Freeman, the one person who has inspired and influenced me more than anyone, thank you, you're the greatest. Most sincerely, Mandy Stavick, class of 89. Number 13. Basketball player, cheerleader, top student, once an aspiring airline pilot, 
Mandy Stavick truly stood out, says her mother, Mary. She wanted to do everything. She wanted to be very good to the best at everything she did. And she was. Mandy's older sister, Molly Brighton. Mandy, she was larger than life. She accomplished a lot in the short time that she was here. All that promise came to an abrupt end in 1989, when the college freshmen came home from Central Washington University for Thanksgiving. The day after the big holiday meal at her house, Mandy set out on the last jog of her life with her German shepherd, Kyra. How many times have you driven this road? Oh, geez, probably probably close to 100 over the, over the 30 years of working on the case. Detective Kevin Bowie, who was just a rookie deputy back then, has pieced together Mandy's route from the few people who briefly saw her that day. She always started from the house here and then ran down westbound toward the west side of the Strand Road. The last person to see Mandy alive was a man in a pickup truck who pulled up right here. Mandy ran right in front of him, heading in that direction to go around the bend to her home, about an eighth of a mile from here. I would say to that wooded area ahead of us, is where I believe she was abducted. Bowie says her assailant had to be in a vehicle. Mandy was too fast a runner to catch on foot. How do you think she was abducted? By weapon, that's what they used to gain to control her. I believe it was a gun. And what? Points the gun at her and says, points, get in? Yeah, points the gun at her, get in. At that point, she's compliant. Investigators believe the attacker had kicked the dog into a ditch before abducting Mandy. He then sexually assaulted her about three and a half miles away from where she was jogging. Afterward, she tried to flee, a scenario suggested by the scratches on her arms and legs. I immediately went, oh my God, she was running away, running through the blackberries. Blackberry bushes, got Blackberry thorns bushes, on them. Big thorns. And that's what I thought, she was running away from whoever had her. I believe whoever was chasing her caught her and hit her in the head, knocking her out, and then placed her in the river to make sure she drowned. It occurred to Ron Peterson that Mandy's body may hold other important evidence. He had just recently been trained by the FBI on recovering DNA. And based on the position that she was in the water, you knew you had to get her out to preserve it. That was the biggest fear of mine, is how to get her out without disturbing it. His training paid off. So when they did the autopsy, they were able to recover male DNA from Mandy. The male DNA was semen, suggesting a sexual attack. What happened in terms of the investigation? From there, it was, you know, you always look for that person that's strange or odd that doesn't quite fit into the community. Tips poured in, and deputies checked them out. This is a standard road where Suchi was observed. David Suchi was a local drifter seen in the area that day, Bowie says. They got a warrant and got his DNA and he was ruled out. 
deputies interviewed various persons of interest, including Mandy's boyfriend, Rick Zender. They also looked at him just to rule him out. All dead ends. In all, some 30 local men gave DNA samples. None matched. The case went cold. And the murder hung like a dark cloud over this community for the next two decades. It was like an assault on all of us. Then, almost 25 years later, a new suspect emerged. And he had lived right in Mandy's neighborhood. His name wasn't even on the radar. hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24 7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I don't know what it was about her. I'm just an ordinary person. I don't know how I managed to have that child. Mary Stavick spent years haunted by the murder of her daughter Mandy and the lack of progress in the case. And I just really didn't have any hope. That became more ingrained in me as the years went on. But Detective Kevin Bowie who attended the same high school as Mandy, had never given up. By 2009, he was the lead investigator on this unsolved case. We needed some answers. We needed to get to the bottom of it. He began scouring the case file, poring over old leads and old suspects. And I started going through who's been interviewed, who's been talked to. Bowie noticed that a local drug dealer named John Wisniewski had been questioned because he told people he might know who murdered Mandy. Although his DNA did not match the crime scene, Bowie still wanted to talk to him again. And in 2010, he traveled all the way to Cambodia, where Wisniewski now lives, 
to question him. What did your gut tell you about this man? I thought he was a good liar. Just kept reiterating, I don't know who did this. You weren't believing him, though. I, I didn't believe him. But a feeling wasn't evidence. So it's another dead end. Yes. But then, three years later, the sheriff's office got a tip that sent them in a new direction, coming from, of all places, a pair of moms chatting at a water park. It was June 2013. Where were you guys when you had this conversation? Sitting on the grass right over there. Heather Backstrom and Marilee Anderson had both gone to Mount Baker High. And you were just watching your kids coming down the yep. water slides yep. and things? Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, one of the other mothers brought up the name Mandy Stavick. Both Heather and Marilee, who barely knew each other, held long suspicions about the same man. Marilee had never told anyone in law enforcement of her suspicions. I really wasn't ready because we are in a small town and to accuse someone of something that we don't know for sure is a little scary. Heather also never discussed her concerns with anyone in the area. No friend or family in the community that I lived in because of the weight of that. But talking to each other here in this water park decades later, they finally felt compelled to say his name out loud. And I just said that I knew that it was Tim, that it was Tim Bass. Timothy Bass had gone to Mount Baker High, too. Why did you say Tim Bass? I thought it was Tim Bass because of the experiences that I had had with him in the past. Disturbing experience. Very disturbing, yes. As it turns out, both women had experienced creepy run-ins with him and began exchanging stories. I'm probably 15, and he was in his 20s. It was after a softball game in the summer of 1989 a few months before Mandy's murder. We decided, a bunch of us, to go to Dairy Queen. She says they all piled into a friend's truck, including Tim Bass, who was sitting next to her. He would talk about my eyes, that my eyes were beautiful. Then he took, like, a pen out of the cup holder and would, like, start rubbing it along my knees because I was wearing cut-off sweatpants. You must have been scared. You're 15 years old. Yeah, I was very nervous. Hearing Heather's story, Marilee told her own, which was far more chilling. Back in July 1991, she was at home one night with her young son when she heard a knock on the door. So I opened the door and there's Tim Bass at the door. And he asks if he can use the phone because he had been hunting all day and wanted to use the phone to call his wife. When she handed him the phone, he started dialing but something wasn't right. I hear the, the beep, 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 we're sorry, when you call and the phone's disconnected. So I thought, okay, something's up. Then she says, things got scary. So then he walks through the kitchen and back to my bedroom. He said that he used to drive by our house and that he had always been in love with me and wanted to make love to me. Right then and there? Yes. Marilee says she demanded that Tim leave, but he refused. And what are you feeling at this moment? Uh, terrified. Eventually, after she threatened to call the police, Tim left. 
Years later, the two women now realized they had to speak up. Merrily contacted another Mount Baker High graduate, Detective Ken Gates. She had a gut feeling that Tim Bass was responsible for killing Mandy. Where did Tim Bass live? He lived right in this house right here. A home less than two miles from Mandy's house, right along her running route. Back in 1989, 1990, did they go to the Bass household and question people there? They looked at it like, no, it wouldn't be this family because they're well-liked in the community. And so I I think it was just overlooked. Tim Bass, along with his brother and father, had never been asked to give a DNA sample. And for the past 25 years, Tim had been living a quiet life in a nearby community, married with three children and driving a delivery truck for a bakery. Any criminal record? Anything that would have called attention to Tim Bass? No. He uh, kept to himself and for the most part worked and came home. But now, police decided to pay Tim a visit at home. Very non-threatening in your approach. Correct. When asked about Mandy, Bass pretended he didn't even remember her. At least, not at first. So he just looked up and was like, Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. Um, oh, yeah, she was the girl that they found in the river. It was kind of like, okay, I think we're being played here. He, who, could, who could forget Mandy Stavick? Police asked Bass for a saliva sample to get his DNA. And at that point, he goes, well, um, I don't want to give my DNA. I watch those crime shows. I see how many people go to prison because they've given DNA. So they tried a new plan. At this point, we decided we need to get a surveillance team on him and follow him on his route. They followed Tim Bass all night long on his bakery delivery route. Police were hoping Bass would throw away an item with DNA on it, but no luck. The investigation stalled yet again until police received an unexpected helping hand. I wasn't really going to take no for an answer. I'm going to find something. I'm going to get you something. Twenty-four long years had passed without an arrest, and police finally had a prime suspect. Back in 1989, Tim Bass lived down the road from Mandy Stavick, and she often jogged past his house on her regular running route, which is how he fixated on her, police believe. If Tim Bass sitting in his home was looking out the window, could he have seen Mandy running by? Easily. Investigators knew Mandy didn't jog by the Bass house the day she disappeared, but Tim was in their crosshairs, so they wanted to know more about him. They got some background from his younger brother, Tom. As kids, they palled around together like most brothers. Very competitive. We had a lot of fun together playing, you know, different sports. Tim had always been a loner, but as a teenager, he began to reveal deeper issues. Social interactions never really been natural to him. Tom remembers a harrowing night after a high school girlfriend had broken up with Tim. He was on the phone with her in his bedroom, and he apparently had a pistol with him. At some point said, I'm going to kill myself. He actually ended up firing the gun. 
Tim had fired into the air. From that night on, Tom says people close to Tim noticed a change in him. It's just the disgust, the disrespect towards women. Robin, did you ever see this? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Robin is Tom's wife. I think that he really thinks that women are inferior to him. Tim got married young, at 22, just six weeks after Mandy's murder. He married another Mount Baker graduate, Gina Malone. She says it was hardly a fairy tale romance. I married him basically to get away from home. Gina says throughout their nearly 30-year marriage, Tim was a controlling and emotionally abusive husband. I felt like his servant. Go get me a drink. Go get, make me food. I personally witnessed him tell Gina to shut up, you know, eight million times. It didn't feel like a marriage. I felt like I went into a prison, actually. But Gina stuck with Tim and had three children with him. Why did you stay with him? Uh, I was scared. And I did leave. I actually, I got a restraining order and left for two months. At that point, I had started divorce proceedings. And he's like, I'm going to lie to the judge and get the kids taken away from you. Anything with my kids, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to not lose my kids. In Tim Bass, detectives believed they had their killer but they wanted to cast a wider net of potential suspects to be sure they were on the right path. We developed this list. We call it a DNA sweep. Investigators got DNA from three dozen more men in the area, but Tim Bass wouldn't cooperate. So cops called the bakery where Tim worked and spoke with his boss, Kim Wagner. The Tim Bass I knew, he was different. I don't know. He was weird. How was he weird, though? You just never knew what Tim was going to be at work that day. The smallest thing would anger him. And so you tend to kind of stay away from people like that. And Kim says she experienced Tim's low regard for women. He never called me Kim. He always called me woman. Woman. And um, which, you know, whatever. As Kim chatted with investigators, she realized they were looking at the Mandy Stavick murder and figured out what they were really after. Kim said, well, you guys want DNA, don't you? And I said, well, yes. And she says, I can get it for you. At this point, I'm thinking, I'm working with somebody that potentially did this to Mandy, and I gotta know. She kept an eye on Tim day after day, watching if he discarded anything that might have his saliva on it. You'd empty the garbage so it would be empty. Yeah. In case he dropped a cup? Uh Uh-huh. Or a bottle? Yeah, well, a cup, yeah. It took three long months, and then, finally, she saw him throw away a plastic cup, and later, a Coke can. And I just stood there and went... It's game time. I'm like, this is a jackpot. And so this time my heart was like, oh, I was, I was dying because there was a lot of people around. So I grabbed it, and then I was like, <laughs> I threw it in my desk drawer. And then she gave it to police. My gut said it was him. My heart said it wasn't because I just didn't really want to think that we were all betrayed. So about three months later, we got the results from the state crime lab. 
and Katie from the crime lab says, Kevin, we've got a match. You hear those words, what was that moment like? You hear them, but you're not sure. You're, you're, it's almost like I'm dreaming. I'm going to wake up at any moment in time. I was just like, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. A lot of tears. After the DNA match, they paid another visit to Tim as he was leaving work. I'm questioning him. i like, did you have any relationship with her? No. So you didn't even kiss her or anything? No, never. Then why would your DNA be inside her. He went from denial to, well, how did you get my DNA? What are you talking about? Right after that conversation, on December 12th, 2017, 28 years after Mandy had been found dead, police arrested 50-year-old Tim Bass in the bakery parking lot. They charged him with kidnapping, rape, and murder. As my partner's cuffing him up, I say, you're under arrest for the murder of Mandy Stavick. Later that day, the sheriff came knocking on Mary's door. It also happened to be her birthday. And he says, we've got him. That's all he says, we've got him. And I says, who? I really, I really never dreamed. I really never dreamed it. Mandy's sister, Molly, was overwhelmed too. I was like, wow, what a present. What a birthday present. Detective Bowie called Kim Wagner with the news. Her first thought was about Mandy. And I asked if her family knew. What'd he say? That they knew. And so that's that's why I did it. I just never forgot about Mandy. But it's a big leap between thinking you have your man and convicting him in a court of law. Were you trying to get me to admit to something I didn't do? Is that what you're trying to do right now? Tim says he's innocent and that he had a secret that explains everything. He said, I just wanted to let you know I slept with Mandy. I was like, what? To what lengths would you go to get someone's DNA? Hear more from Kim Wagner on Facebook at 48 Hours. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
For Prosecutor Dave McEachran, it's been a long road to justice. She was such a good kid. And it just shouldn't have happened. It just shouldn't have happened at all. McEachran was 44 when Mandy Stavick was murdered. And now, at 73... Ladies and gentlemen of the jury... He's come out of retirement and insisted he not be paid as he leads the prosecution team in this deeply personal case. In your heart as well as in your head, you wanted to finish this. You bet. All right. After 30 years of heartache, fear, and frustration, the trial of Mandy's accused killer finally begins. The state's case is simple. The defendant's DNA was inside her, and uh, we know that she was kidnapped, she was raped, and then she was killed. Case closed? No. Tim Bass is not guilty. Says defense attorney Stephen Jackson. He didn't kidnap anyone, he didn't rape anyone, and he certainly didn't kill anyone. Jackson floats a theory to jurors that, if true, would be shocking. The suggestion that Tim Bass and Mandy Stavick had consensual sex in the hours before her murder. There were no signs of a struggle. Evidence of sexual contact is not evidence of rape. Everything I've said is the truth. In this interrogation, after his arrest, Bass claimed he had been having a secret affair with Mandy. It was more of a friendship type thing. We just talked and and, uh, then it just kind of grew into... uh, more, more of a physical thing, and we didn't even really do it that much. So it was more kissing and stuff. DNA can only tell you that there was contact. Stark Fallis is one of Bass's defense attorneys. Mandy had come home for Thanksgiving break. Are you saying that when she came home, they met somewhere and had intimacy? Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. And what do you say to those who say prove it, that... No one saw the two of them together. There are no telephone calls made between the two of them. First of all, I don't have to prove it. The burden of proof is on the state of Washington, not on the defense. Remember, when Tim Bass was first questioned in 2013, he said he barely remembered who Mandy was. Now, they were lovers? Why would his story evolve like that, in your opinion? Because he's making it up. He's trying to cover himself. Good afternoon, Ms. Wagner. Come on, step right up here, if you would. Testifying for the prosecution is the woman who helped retrieve the DNA evidence that linked Bass to the crime scene. I was terrified. But Kim Wagner knew she had one more job to do. If Tim was potentially involved in that crime, I wanted to do the right thing for Mandy. But the defense is hoping science can support Bass's account. They called Dr. Elizabeth Johnson, a forensic expert, to the stand. She says the semen could have been deposited up to two days before Mandy's death. Uh, I would say most consistent is hours to days and probably within up to 48 hours. The prosecution expert, the original medical examiner from 30 years ago, Dr. Gary Goldfogel, disagrees. He says various indicators say it was much sooner. She was raped and then was killed and deposited in the river and drowned in the river. Would your findings be consistent in all regards with that hypothetical? 
Yes, they would. Now it was time for a woman to testify who Bass knew very well. Please have a seat. You've been sworn. His now ex-wife Gina. She divorced him after his arrest and his claims about his affair with Mandy. I was so nervous and I was shaking. I don't even want to see his face. Gina testifies that she witnessed him ask his mother to lie for him, to point the finger at his own dad. He asked her, "Can we say dad did it?" Bass's father had died more than a decade earlier. She put her hands over her face and like this, and and paused for a minute, and then said no. Tim Bass's trial was turning into a family reunion from hell. His brother Tom took the stand. As you're about to go take the stand, what's what's going through your mind? Did you sleep the night before? Very little. It was. It was agonizing. As hard as it was, I, 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 I knew I had to do it. I'd like to direct your attention to February 24, 2015. Tom recounted that when Tim was under that? investigation, he told Tom he had slept with Mandy decades ago and then asked Tom to tell police he had also slept with her. I guess to make it look like she got around, uh, that would be my only... You know, that's probably why he said that. And then he asked me again. He said, you believe me, right? I, mean, I, was, I didn't know what to say. And Tom describes another damning incident after Tim was arrested. He said that the cops are lying. Everyone's out to get him. He said, I need a strong alibi or I'm going to prison. He said, Mom, maybe you can say that we were Christmas shopping. Tom, do what you can. Despite that testimony, defense attorney Shoshana Page has an explanation for his behavior. Even innocent people, when they're under that great weight of suspicion, can do things that can be interpreted as, well, only a guilty person would do this. As the nine-day trial wraps up, both sides make their final appeal to the jury. It's easy to, to make the assumption that this pretty young woman would never have anything to do with Mr. Bass. But this is Mr. Bass circa the late 80s. Just because somebody hadn't seen them together doesn't mean that they hadn't been together at some point. This is an investigation that, based on the faulty assumption that this is a sexual assault. And it may well not have been a sexual assault. This was not a situation where there was consensual sex there was no contact between these people she was abducted she was raped and she was killed hold him accountable the dna was at the heart of tim bass's trial it would now be at the heart of the jury's deliberation one of them said teenage girls can sneak out at night maybe there was a, a secret relationship madam clerk issue the verdicts What do you think of Tim Bass's defense? Chat now with the 48 Hours team on Facebook and Twitter. 
30 years of wandering, two weeks of trial, five hours of deliberations. I was terrified. As the jury in the Mandy Stavik case deliberated, the hours felt like an eternity. I was every juror. Please, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. They have to have 100% agreement. If one person doesn't agree, they've got a hung jury and they have to start all over again. And I was praying that that would not happen. Although no one testified to ever seeing Tim and Mandy together, juror Ed Beeman says they had a lot to discuss. When we go in and deliberate, we had to turn in to be investigators and attorneys too. And we went through everything. We had posters on the wall and maps, and we went through everything just like the attorneys did. Juror Jay Van Mersbergen. um, Maybe a quarter of the people tied up on whether or not there might be reasonable doubt. Deliberations lasted a little over a day. Madam Clerk, issue the verdicts. 29 years and six months to the day had passed since Mandy Stavik was killed. Would her family and friends finally get justice? We, the jury, find the defendant, Timothy Forrest Bass, guilty of... Guilty. Of murder, rape, and kidnapping. It was such a relief. It was such a relief. For you, that moment when you're seeing the family embrace and the tears. Did you think this is what justice looks like? Yeah, at that point, I thought, this is why we do what we do. The harm at this cost is incalculable. He has finally received justice. And uh, to me, it can't be enough time. He should never get out. Six weeks later, it was time for sentencing. My family will never be healed, never be, be normal. Mary and Molly were too emotional to speak, so Molly's husband, Mike Brighton, spoke for them. Timothy Forrest Bass must never be allowed to walk the earth as a free person. Never, ever. The defendant's mother would like to address the court. Then it was the Bass family's turn to speak. Tim's mom, Sandra Bass, insisted that her son never tried to blame his father for Mandy's death. That is totally false. I do know my son is not guilty of this crime. Then, if you would like the opportunity, now is the time. I will. Convicted murderer Tim Bass, whose DNA had sealed his fate, spoke in court for the first time. I would first like to say that I'm 100% innocent of this crime. Furthermore, I don't believe I received a fair trial. In saying that, though, the better man in me says I should say very little today and give this day to the Stavik family. Unswayed, the judge sentenced Bass to the maximum sentence, nearly 27 years. He couldn't get life because prosecutors did not charge him with premeditated murder. They were not sure they could convict him of that charge. For 30 years, you have lived free from the responsibility for your acts. But that life has been a lie, and tragically, it has caught your family, your mother, your brother, your ex-wife, and your children in its web. Tim says he's an innocent man. What do you say? Guilty as hell. I lived in prison for 28 years with him, and now it's his turn. For Mary, who once thought she'd never see justice, Bass's sentence gave her some solace. 
definitely closure, I feel. After all, they've got the guy that did it. He'll spend enough years in jail, so if he ever does get out, his life will be practically over. Tom Bass now wonders if his brother considered other killings, possibly even Heather or Mara Lee. I think potentially more could have been his next victims. You sometimes think we're lucky to be alive? Yep. Heather and Mara Lee are proud of their roles in putting Tim Bass away. In the end, three women's word or experiences are what took him down, and I love that. Kim Wagner, part of that trio of women, credits Mandy's hometown, Acme. It really took a village. It took a whole community. The sheriff's office never gave up on Mandy. We got the right guy. Sorry. I guess the community could feel safe and and be whole again. And I'd hope that at that point the family could heal. In some ways you could be whole again too, right? Yeah. just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm -mm -mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. George Floyd's death has inspired a movement. We are witnessing it right now. Where do things go for you now? We have to talk to people, listen. Why is it important to you guys to come out? If we just stayed home, nothing would change. What do you hope comes from this? This is what's coming from me. The change is here. CBS News, original reporting. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. 
as an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 Hours merchandise at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 Hours products with code HOURS20 at ParamountShop.com. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.